Gang Gator Nation, before we begin, I just want to wish each and every one of you a belated Merry Christmas and an early Happy New Year. Welcome to this special episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. I am your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at IAKOWDustin. And today, with the 2021 football season mercifully behind us, it is time to finally look ahead. As we all know, Florida has a new head coach in Billy Napier, who coached at Louisiana. And with that said, a f- few people know him better than those who used to cover him in Lafayette. So today, we've got someone who more than fits that bill. The Raging Review podcast is one of the most popular podcasts out there for Louisiana Raging Cajun fans. And we've got their co-host, Matt, with us today. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about yourself. A little um, bit about what you do with uh, the Raging Cajun or the Raging Review podcast. Let me get it right. So, I am uh, I'm 24 years old. I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, lived here my entire life. Um, so I've been I've been a Cajun fan for let's see the first time I can vividly remember going to games. I was probably seven years old, so I'll say seventeen years. Um, and I started Raging Review back in twenty eighteen because I, I felt like the Lafayette media market was lacking somebody that would would tell the truth because you know your, your your typical you know sports radio especially those stations that are partnered with the university they don't really you, you never hear the good the bad and the ugly right you always just hear the good yeah but you see our our market especially at that time when we had just come off of you know, two really down years. The fans wanted to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, which is which is why I started this just as a way that you know we we talk to fans on an everyday basis about how they're feeling, and then you know we we put those thoughts together kind of into our own thoughts, and you know that's how the that's how the podcast came to be. And over over the years, you know, we've grown traction. We've we've gotten to interview guys like Bruce Feldman and Tim Brando and. Uh, Phil Steele a couple of times. Um, this season we actually got to sit down with Stuart Mandel, who is the uh, editor in chief for the Athletic. Yeah, was that was really cool. Uh, so we've gained some traction getting to interview some guys like that, and just you know really be the voice of of our fan base. Yeah, you guys have done a phenomenal job. I mean, was it? Now I'm I'm kind of coming coming at you from a thirty thousand foot view. Um, I didn't get the chance to hear it live, but you know, we all know Dave waters mm-hmm. and what he does with Gators breakdown there. He was doing a Twitter spaces. So it wasn't even an official podcast for him. Now, of course he records that Twitter space and he'll put it on later in the form of a podcast, but somebody from, from your account came on and was it you or was it Josh that I came on and and, uh, yeah, it, was, it was my co-host Josh. Yeah, Josh. So he came on, and immediately when 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 Mullen had uh, been fired, and you know, obviously we're excited about Napier. Um, 
and we're we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Louisiana side of things, but immediately when Strickland did the press conference on that Sunday, and he he went through and he was describing the uh, the process that he was looking for in terms of a coach. All of that seemed very vaguely familiar. While I had not studied Napier um, in the way that uh, many others may, may have known him from from the uh, the five thousand foot view or the ten thousand or thirty thousand, as I just said, right. um, you guys obviously know him very well. I mean, considering you started your podcast amidst his rebuild or building of of Louisiana to to what it needs to be, to what it deserves to be. I mean, um, we, I mean, toward the end of the of of this discussion, I want to talk to you a little bit more about what you see for the future of the program, um, but. You know, based on what Strickland was describing, it it seemed very familiar. And then I looked through some of the candidates and people were throwing around, you know, all the common names, uh, Lane Kiffin, um, Mario Cristobal, which ironically we found out today upon the recording of this that he's going to be going to Miami. So he'll be in recruiting battles with Napier. And when hearing the names being thrown around and, and hearing Napier, Immediately when his name popped up, his process and and kind of what he does differently, the the, the highly detailed nature of yeah. his plan. He doesn't just have a plan to win. He has an an eight step process that begins many 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 months before the games yeah. take place. The, the the phases. Yeah. And I would lo- and and you know I would love to hear you detail that uh, what you know about this. Um, but just walking through kind of the storyline. Um, so Sunday evening, uh, late Sunday evening, you know, Gator Nation is looking at all these different coaches. Um, my buddy Neil puts out an article on his uh, his top coaches, and, and Napier happens to be on that list. He actually publishes that on Tuesday, but uh, we were in back channel conversations about that particular article uh, Sunday afternoon after the press conference, and Napier was – um, the primary target on that list. Um, then fast forward to that Monday, uh, Josh comes on uh, David's show, and the big the big reason why I wasn't focusing on Napier a ton is because I also was well aware of the LSU job being open, yeah. and it made it made to me and to many Gator fans it made sense that he would make that natural transition to LSU. Tell me about that. Tell me about what gave you the confidence and what gave Josh the confidence that this would not be something that Napier would be interested in, barring some major change. Yeah, so it's really a multitude of reasons. Um, the, the first one being, you know, you guys deal with it. Deal with it in Florida. You have, you know, a little brother, right? You know, Florida, Florida's big brother, Florida State's big brother. And then, you know, UCF and South Florida are kind of the little brother, if you will. Um, It's a very similar situation in Louisiana. LSU is big brother. And then we're kind of the, we've always been the the frowned upon little brother that just kind of gets shunned into the corner, right? Um, Up up until recently, at least. And uh, it was just one of those things where LSU 
is is also known to have a little bit of an ego problem. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, we no, we laugh. I laugh because LSU is, in my opinion, uh, a rival. Now, yeah. oh, 100%. Some, some, I mean, pe- some traditionalists would consider Florida's rivals to be um, Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, scratch Tennessee, throw, give me LSU, give me Kentucky. I yeah, mean, LSU and Florida has definitely become a rivalry over the last yeah. 10 years or so. Yeah, um, most definitely. Yeah, you know, LSU's got an ego problem, and we, we knew, you, the diehard UL fans at least, we knew that LSU couldn't swallow their pride enough to admit that little brother 45 minutes down the road had the best coaching option for them. Uh, and which is exactly why Napier was never even offered an interview. Yeah, for for the LSU position. Um, so we we were very confident that we we knew that Napier wouldn't go to Baton Rouge. And another reason why is all the uh, all the impending punishments that that's coming LSU's way. I mean, between the the sexual assault allegations within their football program to the uh, recruiting violations with their basketball program to multiple off-the-field issues, money laundering, you know, embezzlement, what have you. Um, LSU's got a, got a lot of dirty laundry that's, that's about to get aired out in the next couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, knowing, knowing the integrity and just the, the type of man that Billy Napier is, he, he didn't want to be a part of that. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he's the guy, the kind of guy that, um, I mean, I want to, I want to hear you talk about him. I mean, Scott Strickland mentioned, I I could, I could talk about Billy Napier for five hours if you let me. (laughs) Well, certainly I want to honor your time. Um, I'm here for as long as you want to talk about him, but I know it's, uh, I think I want to honor your time first and foremost, Talk about his his attitude and his his personality. Um, so the 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 framing that Gator fans have been, for lack of a better phrase, Gator fans have been butthurt by coaches that have carried themselves with um, large egos. Yeah. Now, um, I really feel like Will Muschamp was kind of the exception to that. Uh, he was very passionate, very very workman mentality also very humble i think i think will muschamp had it had a good uh head on his shoulders in that regard um the problem with with uh jim McElwain, and it's hard for 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 me to talk about him a ton because i know that napier and him are close um but he it always seemed that he had an excuse right that you know was this and that and ultimately it was the uh, made-up story about death threats um, that really upset the uh, the athletic department and really really gave them um, the impetus to fire him midseason. I'm um, talking about Jim McElwain, and uh, that led to a nationwide coaching search, which really you know wasn't super nation nationwide in the sense that Scott Strickland uh, picked the coach that he had at his former job as the Mississippi State Athletic Director. Brought in Dan Mullen and. Obviously, Dan Mullen won national championships, coached uh, Dak Prescott, did a good job at Mississippi State. But the big the big thing with Dan Mullen is he always wanted it to be his way. 
Right. If, if, it, if it didn't go his way, he would make it go his way. And he had this quarterback, Emory Jones, um, who very athletic, uh, very, very excellent high school tape. We all thought that he would be the, the next great thing at Florida, but he just, unfortunately, and, you know, great kid, but he just, he just couldn't put it all together on the field. And, uh, his, his poor play, um, and some other elements that I'm gonna leave out of this podcast and, uh, you know, relating to quote unquote ego, um, with Dan Mullen, uh, led to his demise after three after two incredibly successful seasons one season that was on the brink of being uh the best season at the university of florida in 10 years until you know we all we all you know obviously y'all know about the the shoe throw and um that how that game went with lsu and then florida decided to uh um play but not play in the bowl game against um Oklahoma and you know Dan Mullen had a press conference filled with excuses um maybe Florida would have been better off at not accepting the bull bid based on what they had what Mullen had said but it had really created a culture of quitting um where quitting is okay where it's okay to not play every opponent the same Florida really had uh one game that uh this past season where they they gave 110% and played the way we know they can play, and it was in a loss against Alabama. Um, the rest of the season, it seemed that they played below what what we understood them to be able to play to. From with and and that's that's really all I'm going to say about that. The rest of this discussion, I want to. It's going to be mainly your thoughts. How is how is Napier different? Well, the 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 biggest thing I can tell you is that he he's not a. You know, you hear you hear this phrase in, in sports a lot. He's he's not a me guy. He's a we guy. Um, and I, and I'll put it into into perspective like this. I worked the sidelines for um for the Sun Belt Championship game on Saturday, and I'm in the post game press conference. And keep in mind, in four years at Louisiana, Billy Napier coached 52 games total, and with the win in the conference championship game Saturday, he was 40 and 12. In his 52 games at Louisiana. And at, at this point, obviously, we all know that he's accepted the job at Florida. And, you know, Saturday night was his last game, blah, blah, blah. He spent the entire press conference talking about how good his players were, talking about how good his assistant coaches were, talking about how good his administration was. And then he spent the last couple minutes talking about how the community of Lafayette is just this top-notch community, and it, and it changes you from a from a culture standpoint. Just because we're such a unique culture here, um, never never spent a minute talking about himself. So you know the the ego problem that you brought up with with Dan Mullen, you know, I, I can tell you with Billy Napier, you're going to get the exact opposite. You're going to get a humble hardworking guy who can relate to players and has learned from the best in this business and knows knows what to do to to get the job done. I, I firmly believe that Billy Napier is going to win Florida national championship, if not more. I mean, it's very clear from kind of how he carries himself. And I mean, the press conference was, Amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was phenomenal. 
Um, and, you know, it was interesting because I sat there and I listened to the whole thing. And a lot of it was very similar to what we had heard four years before. You know, the, the, the phrase of you start with the ending in mind. He has preached that his entire time at Louisiana. And so I knew that that would just be his mindset going into Florida because it works no matter where you are. You start anything you do with the end result in mind. And then, and obviously, you know, you and I will get into this later, but the assistance that he is bringing with him from Louisiana. Dustin, I'm going to tell you, man, you guys are in great shape. Great shape. Um, I mean, I mean, Patrick Tony. Uh, his his official title with y'all is going to be co defensive coordinator. Um, you know, in he was our defensive coordinator for two seasons, and in his two seasons as defensive coordinator, we were co conference champs, and then conference champs, and then in the first, in his first year. Last year as defensive coordinator, our defense was 31st nationally in points allowed. Wow. I mean, and, and the guys, if I remember correctly, he's only 35. So he's young. He's a top name in college football. Um, he was with Sam Houston State at one point and got them to the semifinals of yes. the playoff. He was at Southeastern Louisiana. He was at UTSA. So, I mean, the guy's been around the block. He's made connections. Uh, he spent all four seasons that Napier was in Louisiana on Napier staff. Uh, he coached safeties, outside linebackers, and defensive coordinator. I'm, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough about the guy. He's, he's going to revitalize that Gator defense. Yeah, and certainly we'll, we'll discuss Pat Tony in, in, a, in a little bit. Um, but I think I think it really speaks volumes to how much Napier trusts his guys. Um, you know, Patrick Tony being one of them. Um, I'm going to need some help pronouncing the running back coach's name. Jabbar Jaluk. Jabbar Jaluk. Yep, that's Perfect. an amazing name. Jabbar yeah. Jaluk. Jabbar Jaluk. Yeah, he um, sounds like he should be wielding a uh, a lightsaber in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it, it's actually really funny because our, our graphics department at Louisiana is just top notch. And every year on Star Wars Day, we make like a movie poster and it's May the 4th be with you and it's all of our football players and blah, blah, blah. And if I remember correctly, one of the years, Coach Jaluk was like, he had the, the Star Wars hood and the, the lightsaber and <laughs> it was wild. That's amazing. That is, that's, that's great. Um, so kind of back to Billy 2017 to 2018 when he was hired. Yeah. So coach the full 2018 season seven and seven. Yeah. And then the next year. Think, and think about that. Think, think about that for a second. His first year ever as a head coach, the man goes 500. And what was the record before that? The year before that, we were five and seven. Five and seven. So, yeah, the, the year we fired Mark Hudspeth, we were five and seven. 
but there was a lot of turmoil on the team. Yeah, um, there there had been a lot of off the field issues um, that that last season and really the season before that. That uh, it, it was it, unfortunately it was one of those situations where, well, like you like you talked about uh, with Dan with Dan Mullen in the beginning, uh, there was a there was a culture of just quit with within our locker room. The the players just kind of stopped playing for him. Uh, and that was evident in that last game against App State because, I mean, credit App State, they're they're a phenomenal program, but they were kind of having a down year in 2017. I think they were seven and four going into into that final game with Louisiana, and they ended up beating us 63 to 14. So you could tell the Cajuns just didn't get off the bus that day. So it wasn't a respectable five and seven. It was a year really bad losing right. big time five and seven no that that was a that was a roster that should have gone eight and four that went five and seven so it was a a bona fide culture problem right at louisiana right the, the players were there to be decent but they were wow yeah i mean that that speaks volumes about what napier was able to do and not oh. only instilling a culture and then not only developing a scheme to win games, but also developing culture. Right. No, as a as as a diehard Cajuns fan, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, Billy Napier took over a broken program and immediately turned it into a winner. And well, this will be the running theme through the rest of our discussion. But I want to I want to quickly discuss with you Billy's coaching pedigree. So just just to kind of great context for our discussion um during the press conference billy napier mentioned that he would have uh an offensive line coach and then an offensive line assistant mm-hmm. um he mentioned that he would be the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator i'm not sure if that would mean that um similar to how louisiana was structured before he left where he had two co-offensive coordinators alongside Billy Napier calling the plays. You could, you could fill me on how you think the structure um, could look like based on what you have been very uh, intimate with um, your understanding of the Louisiana program. Um, but how, how does, how, what is, the, what is his coaching staff structure look like? Um, maybe, maybe we can start with that. In, in terms of at Florida or what, what it was like at Louisiana? Well, I think from from my understanding, I think he's going to transpose at least the structure from kind of how it finished out in in this year to Florida. Yeah, and the, so, the two O line coaches, he'll call right. the plays. Um. So, like you said, you you had a you had a co offensive coordinator. Um, Billy called most of most of the plays for the uh, for the offense. You had a D line coach and O line coach. You had an inside linebackers and outside linebackers. Um, you had a cornerbacks coach. You had a safeties coach. So you had two DB coaches. Um, and then you had we had a quarterbacks coach who you guys now have in Ryan O'Hara. Um, and then we had an assistant O line coach 
So we had two over line coaches, um, a special teams coach, and then from there on, it was um, it was grad assistants. Yes, we we had grad assistants at each major position. Yes. So in terms of the the special teams, is is this guy considered one of the ten um, full time staff members, or is he? more of an analyst coming in and coaching special teams. I'm just going off kind of how the structure will look like for the, the coaching staff. Um, yeah. I mean, that would obviously have to depend on whether Napier decides to retain the special teams coach at Florida or if he wants to hire a new one. But because um, from y'all, y'all took Jabbar Luke, he was our running backs coach. Y'all took Ryan O'Hara, who was our quarterback's coach. Y'all took Mark Hockey, who was our strength coach. And then Patrick Tony was our defense coordinator. Right. So you got this guy, um, Chris Couch. Yeah. Special teams coordinator. Yeah, Coach Couch. The reason why I mentioned him is because in watching Louisiana, something that, that was very impressive was how – how great and how active the team is on special teams. Yeah. It's not just a kick. It's not just a punt. There, there, there's, there's an aggression. There's a, uh, I'm going to take this ball. I'm going to do whatever I can to get an advantage on this play. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the interesting thing about Chris Couch is this was his first year with Louisiana. This was 2021 was his first year on our staff uh, because before him, we had a guy named uh, Rusty Disher who I don't remember. And I'm, I'm drawing a blank on where he ended up going coach from was Georgia. Robbie Disher. There it is. Robbie Disher. Uh, Georgia hired him as a as a special teams support guy uh, from from Louisiana. And when when Disher was in Louisiana, uh, we were we were I think top ten nationally in special yes. teams. Yes. And uh, before that, when when Disher was at Toledo, he was his special teams was ranked number one in efficiency in the nation. That's incredible. So so special teams, especially under Billy Napier, uh, special teams has been a huge area of, of focus, and I, I don't see it being any different at Florida. Yes. You know, I mean, if you, if you looked at Dan Mullen, offense was clearly priority. Uh, defense was okay. He trusted a guy named Todd Grantham, and – he was kind of a boomer, boomer bust coach, and when they were good, they were good. When they were bad, they were very, very bad. But special teams was always kind of put on the back burner, and you can't win championships if that's the case. You have to, you have to find a competitive advantage every single second that you have the chance to. And special teams is it's very critical to being able to win the game. Um, so. We we spoke about kind of kind of the staff structure. Let's talk about his his offensive pedigree and his play calling and his his scheme. So Napier mentioned that he will call the plays. 
And there is always pros and cons to being the play caller. Um, typically, you look, you look at Nick Saban, you look at um, Urban Meyer. Uh, while, while both of these guys, one guy being more so a defensive guy and the other guy being more so well-known for his offense um, with Urban Meyer, both these guys had a, a top coordinator or top coordinators um, coordinate their offense or their defense, respectively. Um, we look at Napier, a guy that, that wants to instill a culture, a guy that, that to, to the common fan would more so appear to be that CEO type of coach, um, that Nick Saban Jr. kind of coach. Um, I know that's kind of thrown around a lot. Uh, maybe he wants to change that and not necessarily be known by the daddy, <laughs> uh, for lack of a better phrase. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, of course the, the, the comparisons are always thrown around with him and Saban. So I'll leave it at that. Um, tell me about Napier and his offensive philosophy, because again, Gator fans, we love offense. We, we want to see, we want to, we want to win every game 55, 10, right? If 55, nothing preferred, but, but we'll, we'll give the defense, we'll give the defense, uh, the grace just to let the opponent score 10 points. Right. That, that's how, that's how we won championships in the nineties. That's how we won it in 2008. And that's, that's kind of what Gator fans want to see is, is, sh should that be the, the expectation? Probably not, but not, you're just getting a sense of, of kind of what, what we're looking for. Right. Um, tell me right. about Napier in, in his, in his offense. So I'll start in the, I'll start in the trenches with the O-line, man. You, you're going to get guys that are, just absolute bullies. Um, we 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 call our we call our line at UL the Hogs because they just they get messy and they like to beat guys down. Um, and so you'll you'll definitely I feel like Napier will definitely bring that kind of mentality with him to uh, to Gainesville. Um, quarterback, you know. And, and you know, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw out a name that's on the Florida roster already. I think about a guy like Anthony Richardson, a guy who has a rocket of an arm, but also has innate ability to run the football. That is the perfect quarterback for a Billy Napier offense. A guy that can get set in the pocket and make throws down the field but at the same time can understand when you need to tuck it and run. Um, and then running backs, just bruisers with breakaway speed once you get to the second level. Um, you know, for, for a long time, Billy Napier's had a, he, he kind of likes to use a multi-back system. Um, you know, one year we had, we had three guys that almost all went over a thousand yards rushing. And you had one guy who was just an absolute bruiser. You had one guy that was a little bit of both. He had he had power and speed. And then you have one guy that's your shifty screen back that you dump passes out in the flat and watch him take off 80 yards for a touchdown. Um, and Napier's kind of always liked that system. The most successful group. Now, uh, hell, all three of them have been in the NFL at some point. 
Uh, Raymond Calais most recently was a kick returner for the Rams. Uh, I think now he's on the Rams practice squad. Uh, Trey Regis was drafted by the Vegas Raiders, and he's on their practice squad. And then if you pay attention to the NFL at all, you've seen what Elijah Mitchell's done this year with the San Francisco yeah. 49ers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that group, all three of those guys being on the roster at the same time was, I think, I think they were the first trio in NCAA history to have over 3,000 yards rushing between the three of them. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of mentality as well as what, what he's going to bring. And then receivers, just tall, physical possession guys. Uh, we, we got a guy from TCU this year, John Stevens Jr., 6'7", 220. Just a mismatch nightmare. Um, so that that's kind of the philosophy that Billy likes to likes to go. He 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 likes the, the balanced attack. Uh, start with the run, let it open up the pass game for you. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean it, it's worked at Louisiana. We've had one of the top offenses in the nation every year that he's been here. Tell me about the quarterback, Lewis. Tell me about him and and how he's developed under Napier. Man, Levi's an anomaly. You know, um, he, he's one of those guys that you never know what you're going to get because you have you have these games where you know his stat line might not be pretty, but he grinds out, you know, a good performance just from, you know, watching him on the field, right? But then he has games where his stats are off the charts, you know, completes 70% of his passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. But then you look at the performance on the field and go, but keep in mind, he underthrew 10 receivers. So like it's it's it it Levi as great of a quarterback as he was I mean he he's gonna he's gonna graduate from Louisiana as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play for this program, um, but it's kind of it's kind of an anomaly you never know it's Jekyll and Hyde you never know what you're gonna get, um, but no you you can definitely see the way that he progressed. Under under Billy Napier, I mean, his first year here, Billy Napier ran a two-quarterback system just to kind of see what he had. And uh, our starter was Andre Nunez, and he would play three possessions at a time, and then Levi would come in for one possession. So Levi would, Levi would run a possession every fourth possession. Um, and that was just a way for Billy to see what he had. And then after, uh, after Nunez graduated, Levi took over as the starter and Levi's first year as a starter, he threw for 3000 yards, 26 touchdowns and only four interceptions. That's awesome. Um, so Levi's definitely progressed as, as time gone, as time has gone on. But the, the biggest thing that I've noticed with Levi is the leader that yes. he's become. Uh, he, he's just an exceptional leader on the field, off the field. Uh, he, he does work in the community. Um, just just a class act, and that that's what you're going to get under Billy Napier. 
Yes. And that's, a, it's amazing that the, what Napier has been able to do with, with a guy like Levi Lewis. Um, and from the, from the Gator perspective, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what Napier can do with a top talent at quarterback. I mean, you have an elite 11 quarterback currently on the roster with um, Anthony Richardson. Um, you have an, an elite 11 quarterback who has that kid, only that kid, something else, man. Yeah. Anthony, Anthony Richardson. I'm, I'm telling you right now, Billy Napier's offense with Anthony Richardson at quarterback. The whole world's going to tune in to see this. It's un, it's going to be unreal when he's healthy. Um, I think the news is pretty much out there, but he, uh, he's getting meniscus surgery currently, and he's yeah. going to be out for the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, but Napier Napier's not even coaching the ball game. So yeah, I mean, does it really I, matter? I, I mean, by September, AR is going to be healthy and ready to roll. Yeah, I mean, you would much rather have Anthony Richardson for spring than a yeah, bowl game sure. that doesn't matter. Your coach is coaching. Florida's playing UCF, and you know, I'm not I'm not going to get on here and down the the school that actually is about 15 minutes away from my current location right now, I live in Orlando. Um, but Florida should beat UCF with, with whatever quarterback goes out on the field, as long as they, you know, they, they do the rest of the, they, they got, they got to play defense. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Um, so just real quick, uh, as we move from talking about Napier's offense to uh, more big picture organizational stuff um tell me about the scheme the offensive scheme so i know uh wise observance of of um of the game this past saturday where um again it's it's amazing amazing to see what what napier was able to do in his four years he put together a plan to win a championship and he executed that plan and won a championship um, and going to that game, I didn't care what the line was. We all knew that Louisiana was going to win that game. There was, there was no other option. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad y'all knew because man, I was nervous. <laughs> oh, you gotta be. I was nervous. <laughs> we, we, have, we have such a history of performing poorly against App State. I mean, before, before last December, uh, we were we were zero and eight against App all time. Yeah, App just had our number, and uh, you know, last year I don't, I don't want to say we got lucky, but I mean we did. We didn't play well. The weather was horrible. They missed a field goal as time expired. We won by three. Um, and this year, I mean, th- this year's team has just been so unreal that uh, we we were able to beat App pretty convincingly two times. Um, but yeah, the, the championship game up until about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, I was, uh, I was pretty nervous. I, I wasn't sure how, how that game was going to go. Even when we were up 14, nothing, I knew that that game was, was far from over. Yeah. And you got to give credit to Appalachian state Thought they had a great defensive game plan. Um, I thought they uh, they were much better 
at um, not turning over the ball in comparison to that game earlier in the season. And they uh, they looked like a team that also wanted to win it. But uh, something's just happened for a reason. And yeah. and uh, it was um, it was a, a good night for for the the raging Cajuns. You're telling me. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. I could uh, I could send you some crazy videos of of us storming the field Saturday night as soon as the game ended. Yes, very a very well well deserved um, opportunity for that. Uh, just to just to use a phrase. So tell us about the, um, just to kind of talk more about the scheme. So I've heard pro pro set thrown around. I've heard spread pistol describe, describe the offensive scheme. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of, kind of pro kind of spread. Um, he, he runs, a lot of his offense out of the pistol with with a single back um and every once in a while you'll you'll get a weird little set where you know your your running back will shoot out wide and then right before the ball snapped come back to the backfield yeah um so so billy billy's offense is unique but uh, I would say it's a it was it's a good balance of of pro style and spread. When it's um when it's rolling, and he's he's doing what he wants to do. Would you say it's fun to watch? Oh God, yeah. Um. Now, keep Billy Napier's offense is not for for lack of better words. People like to use the word sexy. It's not sexy. It's not you know this this flashiness. Um, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it's it's probably pretty bland. But when when you've got a running back ripping off you know ten fifteen yards of carry in, in some stretches, I mean, and and you watch that kid just jump up and you know show his emotion, and then you know you get back up to the line and. Throw a twenty-yard pass down the seam. I mean, for for a Florida fan, if you see that happen, I mean, you're how are you? How do you not find it fun to watch? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's great. And you know, to any Gator fan listening to this um, or or reading the content that that we're putting out, um, we all I mean, look back at Kyle Pitts and what he did, and right, uh, for the right. Gators, and you you have um, plays where Kadaris Tony would would uh, get the ball in the backfield and run or, or get a catch on a screen and run and make 15 guys miss and then Kyle Pitts would would catch a seam route and take it 30 yards um, into the end zone um, and you know if you if you had the chance to watch the highlights from the Florida State game where Florida played Florida State you look at a guy like Damian Pierce who uh, lost his helmet and um, he uh, didn't care. He he was going to score that touchdown. Um, yeah, that was a uh, that was that was interesting. Though he 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 wasn't going to quit till he found the end zone. Nope. I f- I feel like uh, I feel like it's a sad reality that the Pierce won't get the chance to play under Napier. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, Nate Napier was out on the recruiting show today, talking to uh, oh God, citizen, um, right? Yeah, citizen, the, the four star from Lake Charles. Um, it's actually quite funny. He decommitted from LSU when LSU hired Brian Kelly, and now Napier is is. I found it quite funny that he missed Louisiana so much that not even 24 hours after leaving, he, he was already back recruiting a guy. But Yeah. I mean, how, how funny would it be for Napier to win a ton of recruiting battles in the state of Louisiana against LSU? Against LSU, I would love that. But if if Billy's listening to this, keep the three stars and the low four stars for the Cajuns, please. <laughs> take hey, take all the high fours and fives you want, but the low fours and the threes leave, leave them for the Cajuns. I I think I think we could make a deal. I think we could make a deal <laughs> on that. Um. So let's uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to the fun part now. Let's um. Let's talk about culture. Yeah. Let's talk about this organizational structure, uh, this this recipe for success. Tell us about this this eight segment model that the Napier uh, brings to the table. Yeah, man. You know the the first phase is foundation, and it, it's pretty. It's actually pretty self explanatory. You, you lay the foundation for you know, what that season is going to be. And then you, you go into the second phase of identity, which is through some rigorous workouts. He's going to find out who you are as a player, who you are as a person, you know, what, what kind of team he has. And then you, and then you jump into spring practice, um, which, you know, spring camp, is it's a grind. Um, that's when that's when you really make a name for yourself on, on the roster, on the depth chart. Um, and then you go into the the discretionary period where you know that's kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of downtime. Um, that's usually you know April May where the players are you know studying for finals and, and focused on schools, a little bit of a downtime. And then the summer regimen it, it heats right back up. And this is another round of, you know, grueling, you know, survival of the fittest type workouts. Uh, and then training camp, again, kind of similar to the spring camp, just in the fall, you know, separating yourself from the competition if there's still one, you know, stuff like that. And then in season and postseason, uh, that's, that's also self-explanatory, just, you know, practice breakdown film uh team meetings what whatnot and then the the postseason idea is just go out there and win championships yes and that's certainly the goal i mean he mentioned during his press conference that he there's no bones about it he wants florida to be the best team in the sec in the best team in in the in the nation, really, because if you're the best team in the SEC, you have a very good shot at being the best team in the nation. Yep, no, no doubt about it. And you know, I think I think under 
under Billy Napier, you definitely have the, the opportunity to to be that or at least contend for it because as as you know in the SEC East Florida's only real competition is Georgia. So whoever I mean, it, it should be whoever whoever walks into Jacksonville and wins the cocktail party is more than likely going to represent the East in the SEC Championship game against either Alabama or LSU. And that's how it should be. Right. Unfortunately, this year, Florida well, lost to Kentucky, and they lost to Missouri, and they lost to South Carolina. You're not going to go anywhere. Um, Billy Napier, is he doesn't look like the kind of coach that is going to take those teams lightly. Well, he definitely, he definitely won't take Missouri, Missouri lightly because he, he knows a thing or two about Eli Drinkwitz. How, how fitting is that, that, that um, you know, I mean, obviously anybody behind the scenes understood that Dan Mullen was likely on his way out, but it was that loss to Missouri um, in overtime. Yeah. That was the nail in the coffin. That was the the KO knockout punch, and it was uh, Drinkwitz that that executed that, going going for it, going for two in overtime. Good On that one play, you win or you lose the game. His call. Yeah, yeah that, that's Eli Drinkwitz for you. Yep, that's Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, he was he was at App State for that one year, and man, both both games. I, I can remember them so well. It was a, you know, we do one thing well. And then the very next possession, App State said, oh, yeah, watch watch us do it better. Mm. And that's just, that's exactly what it was. Every time we did something well, App State stepped on the field and just one-upped us. Uh, so it was, it was a no, I was not shocked at all that he took the job at Mizzou after just one year in Boone. But um, yeah, you know he's he's familiar with Billy Napier. Billy Napier's familiar with him, and and the fact that that's now a division game, uh, Florida Florida Mizzou is going to be fun. Yeah, it's it's real it's real funny with all with the conference alignment, um, and realignment that Florida and Missouri is a division game, right? But that's a whole nother discussion for another day. And, and it'll get it'll get even wilder when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. Yeah, and it might go to some pod system, but it's gonna be it's gonna be weird, real mm-hmm. weird. Um, but Napier's all for it. You can't you can't say the same thing about Lincoln Riley or these other guys. <laughs> oh man, and you know, yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought up Lincoln Riley. It gives me an opportunity to. To poke fun at LSU, Lincoln Riley played LSU like a fiddle. So uh, I, I heard from a very reliable source that what happened was Lincoln Riley verbally accepted an offer from LSU. LSU sets up a press conference to introduce him, blah, 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 whatever. In the meantime, while LSU is working on that, Lincoln Riley takes the contract details. Turns around, calls USC, and says, "Hey, this is what LSU offered me. Can you do better?" Played them like a fiddle, and Cajun fans loved every second of it. It's hilarious. Loved every. Yeah, 
just it's just hilarious. I mean, that's besides the fact that we we both are really excited about about Napier, and I know it's kind of two sides of the same coin. Y'all are, you know, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a parent taking care of a of a kid and preparing him for a, a lifetime of, of success and then seeing him off to college. Yeah. Uh, but I think another thing that, that uh, the Cajun fans and, and the Gator fans have in common is we both have a, a very, a very strong endearment to making fun of um, the corn dogs. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Love that. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question right here. How is, and this is going to be, I know I want to honor your time. I feel like this is a question that you could probably spend hours talking about, but if you could, if you could pinpoint it down to, to a couple, uh, just a couple minutes. Um, I want to ask you this, how has Billy transformed the organizational culture? Oh God. At Louisiana. Yeah. Um, so the the short version of this is Billy took over a program that for its entire existence has been a loser. I mean for for years now our our fan base has talked about this one game in 1996 where the 25th ranked team at the time Texas A&M came to Cajun Field in Lafayette and we beat them by a touchdown on a last second pick six. And our fans got so excited that they stormed the field, tore down the goalpost, and carried it three miles down the road to the bar. Like the, the program, and, and that was in a season where the Cajuns went three and nine. So like just to just to sum up the, the history of the program. Even even as successful as we've been the last four years under Napier, people still bring up that A and M game in '96. Um, you know, I can remember as a kid under under Ricky Bustle, the goal was be six and six, and maybe you'll make a bowl game. That was the goal of the program. Um, and then in in 2010, you hired. You hire Mark Hudspeth, who had had some, who had spent some time at um, at Mississippi State, and was most recently the head coach of a, a D two program in North Alabama. Uh, but he had a history of winning, and so you you hired you took a chance on this guy in order to bring some success to your program. And the first four years he was at UL, we went to four straight New Orleans bowls and won them all went eight and four every year that he was here. And that first bowl game in 2011, that was the first time we'd won a bowl game in 70 years. Wow. Um, so he, he kind of changed the culture a little bit. Um, but then after those four years, you know, 2015, you go four and eight and then you go six and six and make it into, make it into a bowl game that you lose. And then all the off the field stuff happened, like I talked about earlier. And then you go five and seven that following season. So the the culture had kind of gone from broken to 
there could be something here to, oh, crap, it's broken again. And that's when Billy Napier came in and, you know, he said from the jump he was going to run this program like it was Alabama 2.0. And Napier, along with our athletic director, Dr. Brian Maggard, who spent time at Missouri, you know, they, they both spent a lot of time in the SEC. They know what it takes to create a winning program, create a winning culture. And together, that's exactly what they did. We made some much-needed financial improvements to the program. Uh, we, we built a state-of-the-art student-athlete performance center. Our athletic director hired a full-time nutrition staff. And, you know, with, with, with Billy's knowledge from, from Alabama and Clemson and Arizona State, he created a, a winning culture. And, yeah. you know, like, like I said, that first year you go seven and seven. And then the next year after that, you, you break the school record for wins in a season with, uh, with 11. And then the next year you have COVID, you go 10 and one. And then the, this season, you lose game one to Texas, which at this point, that game's kind of an anomaly because Texas has just been so, you know, so awful. Um, you know, if we show up and play a little bit better that, that opening Saturday, that game could have been a different story. But since then, you reel off a program record 12 straight wins, which is also the most wins in a single season at the University of Louisiana ever. Uh, yeah. no, no football team at Louisiana has ever won 12 games. So, uh, and, to, and they should win the bowl game, so that'll be 13 straight yeah. wins. Yeah, so that, that right there just goes to show you how Billy transformed this culture. It's amazing. So, real quick, recruiting. Yeah. I know, you know, I mean, it's, it's clear that Louisiana isn't, necessarily able to attract the the top 100 players in the country right but recruiting was still transformed under napier his his first year if not mistaken he had the composite number five class in the sunbelt and then after that three straight years he had the composite number one class in the sunbelt so in terms of recruiting, and it's something that, that we like to do here at, at in all kinds of weather, um, we look at it in terms of who is your competition. Are you out recruiting Alabama? Are you out recruiting Georgia? Are you out recruiting LSU? Are you out recruiting A&M? Um, because if Florida is not out recruiting those teams or getting close to doing so, then they're going to find it difficult to win consistently against that competition. So for Billy Napier... Um, at Louisiana, the question was, you know, you don't necessarily have to out-recruit Bama or Georgia. That's not, you know, with all due respect, that's that's not the talent pool that, that Louisiana is trying for. Um, but are you out-recruiting the Coastal Carolinas? Are you out-recruiting the Appalachian states? I mean, that that's the question. And for Napier, the, the case was yes. Yep. You, were, you were getting the top talent in the Sun Belt. And 
you know, good coaches, good, good recruiting coaches will get the top talent. Great coaches will take that talent and then transform that into results. And that's exactly what Napier has done. So I tell, tell the, the audience about Napier's recruiting style and tell us why he was so successful at Louisiana in terms of recruiting. Well, for, for starters, he's relentless. You know, when, when he, he goes through a strict evaluation process, um, and, and the thing that I love is what, what he likes to do is he uses all of his assistants in a recruiting form. And in Louisiana, what he would do is he would assign his, he would take, he would take one assistant coach and he would assign, you know, six or seven schools to that one assistant coach. And that assistant coach was kind of like the middleman between Billy Napier and that high school football program or those high school football programs. Um, that assistant would go meet with the coaches, meet with the players, and then send, bring a report back to Napier. And he, Billy would look at it and you know evaluate these kids. And then from there, figure out who he wants to go meet at home, who he wants to travel to go see a game, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so there's a there's relentless mindset to figuring out who the best fit for the program is, right? He, you know, he said it in his introductory press conference. Stars don't matter. He wants to make sure that it's going to be a fit. So don't be surprised if Florida doesn't have as many five stars as they normally do. Because, you know, he might, he might look at this, you know, low four, maybe even a high three and see something that, you know, maybe other guys in the SEC don't. And he puts a, he puts a, he puts his name on the line for, for those guys and it pays off. Um, and then also, like I said, he's, I keep going back to the word relentless um, because I'll, I'll tell you a story. We, we recruited a kid this past year by the name of Kyron Lacey. He was a, uh, he was a four-star wide receiver out of Thibodeau, Louisiana. And he was a two-sport athlete, played football and basketball at, Louisiana, at, uh, at Thibodeau High School. And at the last minute, it, it was out of us. And Louisiana Tech, and then I want to say it was Virginia, was the third school. And then at the last minute, Miami comes in. And, you know, say what you want about Miami. They've, they've had their, their down years here lately, but it's still the U. You know, there's a, there's a brand about them. There's, a, there's an excitement about, you know, Miami wants you, you know. And uh, so these our our fan base got really nervous for a little while when when Miami came into the fold because that's when we were like, oh crap, you know how do you say no to Miami? But Bill, Billy Napier was able to to fend Miami and Virginia off and and keep Kyron Lacey in our in our recruiting class and he he's been a crucial part of our offense the last two years. That's awesome. What a what a what a story. And, you know, when, when the, when the statement is thrown around that stars 
don't matter that that may get a couple Gator fans nervous um you know being the guy that covers recruiting for and all kinds of weather um I think that there's kind of it's kind of a two-way street where no stars don't necessarily matter but the best coaches are getting the best players there's a reason why if you look at the 247 sports composite for Alabama and Georgia there's a reason why they're winning a lot of games and there's a reason why they yeah, have a lot of five sure. stars in their team um and there's but, a reason why uh Florida um and hasn't been what it what it what it was in the uh, mid 2000s because Florida's no longer getting the top one or two or three class in the country they're 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 lucky to be in the 12 or or 13 right now um and right now as we stand obviously it's a transition class um Mullen was on his way out uh Napier's on his way in right now the class is sitting in the 30s um and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better um so that that's kind of the standpoint that we come in, but we also you know, understand the, 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 the story I like to bring up to people when, you know, like you said, it might make a couple of Florida fans nervous. You know, I've, I've heard before, how can you say stars don't matter? And, and I hate to, to bring an LSU reference into this, but you look at a kid like Justin Jefferson who played wide receiver at LSU and he's now the top target for the Minnesota Vikings. The kid was a two-star at high school. He walked on at LSU, and he is now one of the greatest receivers to ever play in LSU's offense and one of the top receivers in the NFL. I think it all comes down to Napier is the kind of coach who is going to get who he wants. Yep. He's he knows, to be he knows who he wants. It, it's not about a name. It's not about a rating. It's not about, you know... All, all of the, the flashiness. He, he has an evaluation model and he knows what he's looking for in, in players. And when he finds it, he's going to get those guys. Yeah. And he's going to coach them to be the best versions of themselves on the field. Right. I want to ask you, I want to ask you very briefly about the uh, the future of Louisiana yeah. to kind of close out the pod. Um, but before we get to that question, I want to ask you, can you pinpoint to a specific moment where you knew that Napier would be special? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was that game in 2018 we played against it was a home game against Arkansas State. It was Napier's first year with the program. And at that point, let me go back to the schedule. Two, one and three, two and three, three and three, three. We were three and four at the time. And this is at the end of October. So this is you're getting right into the heat of of the season, right? And Arkansas State's in the Sun Belt West, just like we are, and it's a, and it's been a rivalry game for a few years now, and you know it it gotten into the stretch where the Louisiana Arkansas State game decided who won the Western Division, and this year was the first year that the Sun Belt had a conference championship game, so 
you know, everybody wanted their hands on the division title so that they could play in the Sun Belt Championship. And Arkansas State comes to Lafayette, and it was just an absolute dogfight. I mean, they score, we score, they score, we score. We ended up winning the game 47 to 43. Wow. Um, and, and I wanted, if I remember correctly, we, we scored a touchdown. Let's see. We scored a touchdown with a minute 18 left to win the game. Wow. Um, Talk about clutch. Yeah. And so it, it was, it was that game where, you know, three and four first year head coach, big opponent like Arkansas State, you kind of could have could have folded late in the game like that. Um and, and the fact that he found it in himself and his coaches and in his players to figure out a way to to get that win, that crucial win for the program. Um that's when I knew that that we had we had struck a gold mine with, with our head coach. That's awesome. So real quick, um, if I don't ask you about this, I'm sure people are going to send me rude DMs. So I'm going to ask you about it. Um, of course, Gator fans, as of recently, have become very uh, endeared to the phrase, scared money, don't make money. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, long before we were endeared to it, of course, the Louisiana faithful were. Tell me about the first time you heard this and what went through your mind. Well, it, it's funny. It, it was the App State game back in October that, that that phrase came to be. And, you know, it's it's not a it's not a new phrase. I mean, coaches have used it before, you know, referring to different things. But it was it was right. At, it was his halftime interview with, with ESPN during this game. And right before the half. There was, oh, God, six seconds left on the clock in the second quarter. It's fourth and goal from the three. And keep in mind, at this point, we're up 14 to six. And App State's getting the ball to start the second half. So this is a perfect situation where you kick the field goal, take your points, go in the locker room, up two, up two possessions. Billy Napier leaves the offense on the field. And so we're sitting there. I, I, I don't know about we're, but I'm sitting there in the stands going, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Like, why aren't we kicking a field goal? And, and not only was the offense out there, but our running back, Montreal Johnson, was lined up under center. He was lined up in the shotgun. What is, what is Billy, what is he up to? And so we run a we run a wildcat or we call it the wild Cajun. And Montreal Johnson takes the direct snap, puts his head down, and just barrels into the end zone. And that gives the Cajuns a, a 20 to 6 lead going into the locker room. And at, at halftime, the the commentator asks him, you know, what was going through your head with that play call? And Billy goes, Hey, scared money don't make money. And it just took off like a rocket from there, man. I don't, I don't even know. Like the next day, the university had T-shirts printed that said "Scared Money Don't Make Money." They were selling them in our bookstore. Like it, <laughs> it, it took off like a rocket, man. 
people people made hundred dollar bills with Billy Napier's face on it. Like it was, it was wild. Wow, that's amazing! And you better believe there's a ton of T-shirts out with orange and blue. Oh, I've oh I've seen them. I've seen all of them. It's amazing. I have seen all of them. It's amazing. Well. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Billy Napier. Um, just real quick, if if you uh, if you're open to it, I wanted to talk to you for one more uh, brief topic. Tell me about. Um, I'm not sure if I'm saying the name right, but Desormo. Close, Desormo. Desorm, Desormo. Desormo, yeah. Desormo. Yeah. Tell me about him, because I, I know that uh, tight end coach. Now he's going to be the head uh-huh. coach. Um, former Louisiana great. Tell me about him. Tell me about uh, where you think this program is going. Is it going to be another eleven and one season next year? Um, what what what's the expectation? You know, Mike's a Cajun through and through. Um, you know, he he like you said he he grew up here. He grew up in a town called New Iberia, about fifteen minutes down the road from Lafayette. Um, Went to high school in the area, got played at played at UL. Uh, was one of one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play here at UL. Um, he was actually he, he made a little bit of NCAA history. He was the eighth quarterback in NCAA history to rush for over a thousand yards in back to back seasons. Um, and this was in that stretch when I was a kid where we were awful. Um, so he was the team. He was the offense. And after he graduated, he had a uh, he had an opportunity to play in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but it wasn't as a quarterback. He actually played DB wow. in the NFL because of his height uh, and his athletic ability. The, the Jaguars saw him as as a defensive back uh, that didn't last very long, but uh, he he did have an opportunity to play in the NFL. He comes back, does a graduate assistantship with the Cajuns, and then after two years of doing his GA, he coached at two different um, high schools in the area. He was an offensive coordinator at one school, and then was a head coach at another. And then in 2015, Mark Hudspeth, the the head coach that we had before Billy Napier, had him come on staff as a offensive analyst, receivers coach type of deal and he was on staff for two years Hudspeth gets fired Billy Napier comes in and you know the Cajun fans were like man you know this new guy coming in he's going to bring his own staff blah 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 we really hope he keeps Des come to find out out of the 10 full-time coaches that we had Des was the only one that got retained by Billy Napier um, so Napier obviously saw something in Mike, made him the tight ends coach, made him receivers coach, and then this year gave him the the title of co-offensive coordinator with uh, with Tim Leger. And after after this season, when when Billy took the job at Florida, it, it was actually later revealed that Billy Napier called our athletic director, Dr. Brian Maggard. And told him that Des would be a perfect guy for the job. Wow. And so that's what ultimately, I mean, after what Billy's done for us, you know, 
if he says, hey, this guy's the guy, I mean, we're going to believe him. So, uh, you know, just like, like I said, Mike Desermo embodies what it means to, to be a raging Cajun. He knows this culture. He knows this locker room. Um, he's a hell of a recruiter. Uh, if, if you look at the roster and you look at the data, he's, he's recruited about 35% of our roster. Um, yes. So he, he knows this team. He knows this area. Um, his, bro- his younger brother is actually a local high school head coach. So he's got recruiting ties. Um, 11 and one next year seems a little far fetched for a first year head coach. But, yeah. uh, and uh, a first year starter in, in fields, right? Right. Is he the right. presumed starter for next year? Presumably, yeah. He, he's he's going to be the starter. Um, but man, down down that depth chart, he's got he's got some guys breathing down his neck. Uh, yeah. Hunter Herring's going to be a freshman, uh, a redshirt freshman, six five, two ten. My, um, slinger of an arm, great speed. Um, so he'll definitely contend for a spot. And then we have a Fresno State transfer by the name of Ben Woolridge. Kids six six, two twenty. Uh, just a, I mean, Randy air raid at Fresno State, so he can, he can sling it with the best of them. Um, so he's definitely got some competition. But uh, Chandler's, Chandler's been in the system for so long, and uh, he, he's a talented kid. So uh, he's definitely the presumed starter. But you know, our, our athletic director. I'll close with this. Our athletic director put it best um, when he announced Mike Desermo as the next head coach. The best days of this football program are ahead of us. Yes. So I think we're in good shape. I like the hire. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Florida Gator fan now. Yeah, I'm insane. And I got my, uh, my Louisiana hat. And, um, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the, in the year. Um, but I got a coworker uh, who uh, went to LSU, graduated from LSU. Um, now lives in, in Orlando and, and we, uh, we work together. Um, we actually, uh, watched the LSU game together and that was, a uh, quite the experience. Um, yeah, yeah I bet it was. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe another time I could tell you some of the interesting stories for that one. Um, but you know, I'm going to be rocking my Louisiana hat. Um, and it's exciting. Yeah, I, I ordered I ordered some Florida gear the other day, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll definitely be wearing that on Saturdays. Also, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, you look at the uh, the coaching carousel. I mean, how many other teams are are celebrating the uh, the other the team that gets their coach? I mean, I mean dude, I'll, you'll I, you'll, I, you'll figure out why very soon. I mean, Oklahoma. I know for a fact that Oklahoma fans aren't buying USC jerseys, <laughs> right? No, right. no, no, I mean, I know Notre, Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's not buying LSU gear. No, <laughs> right? No, I, I um, Oregon, Oregon, uh, they're not buying Miami Oregon. gear. Nope, right? Right, <laughs> no, man, you, happening. You, 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 you guys are gonna learn pretty soon that uh, Billy Napier's uh, he's, he's a he's a different kind of coach, yeah. Um, I, I can tell you, I'll, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. I hate, I hate to admit this on a on a podcast, but before Billy Napier walked into the University of Louisiana, I had no idea who he was. 
I remember I remember the announcement that we had hired Billy. I said, who? And then I Google searched the guy and I looked at his resume and I said, oh, okay, maybe we have a good one here. <laughs> yeah. And then over the next four years, just been mesmerized by by what he's been able to do. But man, he's a, uh, I, I had the honor of of interviewing him a couple of years ago for my podcast and he, he's, he's a class guy. He's a, he's one of the best in the business already at, at 42 years of age. And, um, he's definitely going to turn Florida's program 180 and, uh, definitely going to change the culture there. And you guys are going to learn very soon that he's a special coach. Yeah. Well, I know we, um, we forgot to go through and discuss the assistance that he's bringing over. So if you could give us in a, in a, in a phrase, uh, give us a phrase to describe each of the assistants that you know is coming over to Florida. So Patrick Tony, just a, I mean, he's just a defensive genius. Um, Jabbar Jaluk, dude that's full of energy. And um, if I could, if I could tell you just a couple of the running backs that he has coached, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, Raymond Calais. And then before he was at, Louisiana, he spent some time at LSU and he was the running backs coach for Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis. So he has a resume. Like I said, he's going to bring a ton of energy. Uh, Mark Hockey is one of the best strength coaches in America. Uh, before coming to Louisiana with Napier, he was at Texas A&M. Before that, he was at Georgia. So he has SEC experience as well. Um, Again, another guy full of energy. You swear that the polo shirt that he wears is a size too small, but it's just because he is just a massive human being. And then Ryan O'Hara just embodies Billy Napier's culture. Uh, he's a guy that has, has been around the block, and he has been at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and he just never quits. He's, he's found his way back into the fold of being in one of the top programs in the country. Um, and he's, he's just an awesome guy. Uh, so, you know, you get, you get Billy Napier, who's, you know, we, we brag about how great of a coach he is and how great of a man he is. But, you know, he just brought along four assistants that are just as good as him. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I guess, I guess uh, a personal question: when um, when my family and I makes the trip to Lafayette, Louisiana, to uh, watch us some some raging Cajun football, yeah. um, what is the best uh, Cajun restaurant in town? Oh man! So the touristy one that everybody goes to is Don's. Don's. Yeah, it's been open since 1941. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Don's is good, but it, it's just kind of been overrun by tourists. Um, what's the What's the place that that you would go? Like you, what, what's your go to spot? There's a place called Fizos. Fizos. F E Z Z O, by far the best Cajun food around. Is it 
jambalaya? Is it boudin? Is it is it uh, gumbo? Gumbo, uh, crawfish etouffee. Um, now, if you want some good boudin, either Billy's or Don's. Don's has great boudin. Um, Went to Billy's. Had a, I think I mentioned this. I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you directly, but had a had a had a work trip in Alexandria, and okay. we um we we weren't able to fly, so we did the road trip from Florida to there, and we drove through. Um, did you drive through Scott? Yeah, we were we were coming off I-10, so yeah. we were probably a little bit little bit south of town, if I remember correctly. But we we went to Billy's. Yeah, dude. Oof. Billy, Billy has fantastic boudin. And then um, if you want a good pot of jambalaya, man, just call me. Yeah. Call me. I'll, I'll whip you up a good pot of jambalaya. Hey. If, if uh, when we make the trip, we'll make it a family affair. Yeah. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. And then um, y'all playing Florida State next year? Yeah, the weekend before Christmas, not Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, I believe. The funny thing is, it's right before Florida plays Florida State. It'd be yeah, hilarious. It'd be, it. it'd be amazing. <laughs> I don't care if Florida State has a decent year. If they have two straight losses to Louisiana and then Florida, it'd be yeah. like, it'd be like getting punched, <laughs> punched twice. Right. Like wait, <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Um, yeah, I remember. I remember when we scheduled this game. I was like, "Man, what are we doing? We're gonna go to Tallahassee and get our ass beat." But n- now, you know, looking at looking at Florida State, I'm like, "Hmm, we might actually have a chance to go over there and win." Yeah, we might actually win that game. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm hoping to uh, to make the trip. Tallahassee's not super far. No, I think I think it's eight hours from here. No, it's not bad. It's a good trip. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about making the trip. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for your time. No, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and we'll we'll keep in touch on if there's anything you guys need. I know that uh, we'll be doing a lot of a lot of breakdowns. We'll be we'll be going through position by position once the. Uh, the staff is put together um, just so that we can give Gator Nation kind of the the best content as we, we kind of forge ahead with this new staff. And, you know, it's obviously very clear to both of us that Napier is the guy for the job. So, yeah. So, yeah. um, Y'all, y'all Scott, Scott Strickland hit this higher out of the park. Most certainly. Most certainly. No no doubt about it. We'll, we'll definitely see the results soon. So yeah, but yeah, if y'all if y'all ever if y'all need anything from us, um, any kind of you know quote or you know thoughts or whatever, just just shoot us a message. One of us will uh will definitely help out anyway we can. Sure, and both of you guys have been phenomenal. I think I think early on it was it was you on the phone, um, uh, messaging with me, and then spoke to Josh quite a bit. So both of you are are great people, and and. Uh, you know, it's just it's just awesome. It's it's uh it's amazing. I don't I don't think uh, I've seen anything like this so with uh with two fan bases and and uh, a yeah, coach going from one to the other. It's it's unique for sure. Um, 
I know it, it, it's weird. You know, we, we talked on the, we talked on the podcast just about how much of a struggle our fan, our program has been for basically its entire life. So, you know, us, usually we get rid of a coach because they aren't winning. This is the first time we've lost a coach because they are winning. So this has definitely been a, uh, been a new process for us, but, uh, we're happy that he's at Florida and not 45 minutes down the road in Baton Rouge. Yeah. Well, coach, coach Des is going to do a phenomenal job yeah. and, uh, I'll keep, uh, wear my, uh, my Louisiana raging Cajun hat proud. And, and, uh, I might, Absolutely. I might be, um, I might be adding to that attire. I want to, I want to have, have a shirt and maybe even a Jersey right at the go. If, if you want, I'll send you a link to our bookstore and you can look through, see what they've got. Awesome. Uh, I know, I know we just, that. I know we just put a Jersey on sale a couple weeks ago. So, so, uh, tell us how, how we can connect with you and do you guys have a way that, that we can support the, the rage and review. Yeah, man, you can go on social media and uh, at Rage and Review on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and um, you can find the podcast, you know, wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, um, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. So, uh, yeah, just any way you guys uh, can, can tune in, listen, give some feedback. We, we appreciate all positive and negative feedback. That's awesome, ma'am. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, uh, thank you for, for spreading the, the, uh, the knowledge and, and your passion for, for, uh, Louisiana, for this great football team. Um, again, I want to, I want to wish you and, and, uh, and Josh all the best with, with the podcast and, I look forward to being a, a, a continued listener, uh, uh, and, and I, I look forward to hearing how, how everything continues to, to shape um, as, as Coach Des continues to build the program and, and build on the success. Yeah, um, we, we appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys have been a, a huge help for, for our growth. I mean, God, the, the Florida fan base, we've added 900 new followers in the last month, and yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure all of them are from the Florida fan base. Yeah, so, it should be uh, it should be more than that, considering yeah. the the quality of content that that y'all bring to the table. Um, again, thank you so Great. much. It really okay. it really means a lot to all of us. Thank y'all. Awesome. Yep, absolutely.